there's something thunderous about a person who can sit right in the middle of that and just get the footage and get up and oh, walk honey, away. I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> I was, I was definitely scared out of my mind, but you know, you sit there and you look through the lens and you're like, it's almost like it separates you. The lens separates you from reality. Welcome to the Soul Space Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, April Anderson. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Um, I knew I could call in a favor with you because you're so nice about everything we have to deal with. Um, <laughs> Says you right now. <laughs> I've never had a complaint. Um, one time. Uh, all right, so... April Anderson, Marketing and Communications Director at Songwriters Hall of Fame. Um, yes, sir. Can you say a word or two about what Songwriters Hall of Fame is for the listeners? Well, Songwriters Hall of Fame is a kind of a unique nonprofit organization. Um, our mission is to celebrate and honor the contributions and legacies of songwriters of all genres of music and while helping to develop new writing talent through master sessions, scholarships, digital initiatives, etc. cetera. Uh, we have a main um, annual induction and awards event, usually in June in New York City. Um, and it features about um, a thousand of the top industry professionals in the audience as we induct a slate of uh, new songwriters, songwriter inductees. That is our big event. You have uh, you have this you have this big rush season, like this big push. Um, you're, I mean, mm-hmm. you, all year you're pretty busy, and there's some hectic times. But there's this there's this big push of a season, um, and I I bring that up because there's a number of our clients who have that same experience with their businesses or their organizations, and um, I've noticed that one of the things you and I do well is we we, we block off time in the schedule, and you say, you know, Mitchell. Um, the S is possibly going to hit the fan this two weeks from now, so just be available. Mm-hmm. Let's get on the phone. Let's just kind of be on a on a call just in case I need help with this sort of thing. So I'm glad we do that. I think that's a good habit that we get into. Um, well, it's helpful also to be able to schedule as opposed to do things on the fly, which means that some things might not get done. Right. So if you are really goal-oriented and you you want to accomplish what needs to be accomplished, then scheduling and um, setting that time aside is is absolutely um, the way to go. Sometimes being ready, planning for the bad thing to happen means the bad thing doesn't happen. Um, the, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I think that's... Uh, that's my life, actually. I've, yeah, I've been accused of being being the pessimist because I always look around the box, I step around the box and I see, oh my God, this could happen. Let's not have that happen. <laughs> yes, let's not have that happen. Um, so you're a client and I'm selfish at soul space. I don't really serve many clients anymore. The team, uh, that works at soul space usually takes care of most of the client work. Um, but you're my little, little friend. So I, I don't really share you with anybody. And, um, so we, I'm happy about that. (laughs) And one of the reasons is you and I just have, have a rapport that I really enjoy. We just kind of have a good time together. Um, and I think it's, it's a good thing to talk about at some point that you and I managed to have fun right in the middle of stressful 
situations. And that's one of the ways of mm -hmm. dealing with, um, honestly, dealing with web development work and websites. They tend to be overly complicated and they tend to kind of get away mm -hmm. from, from you with how they get built and architected and, and set up over time. Um, and stuff tends to break. Stuff tends to break due to complexity or due to shortcuts that had to be taken for, for bad and good reasons sometimes. So having that sense of humor is um, is really a critical piece. And that's one of well, the... Well, it's also know, knowing, it's, it's knowing where to direct the, the, the uh, anxiety that you feel when something is like wrong and something has to be fixed. It's like, where do you direct that anxiety? You don't direct it at the person who's actually going to help you fix it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just, that's just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, have, is there something you're not telling me? Have you needed to tell me? <laughs> do you need to yell at me? That now's a good time. Oh, we'll talk. No, <laughs> There's, no there is nothing. You, sir, are perfect. Oh yeah. Lovely. Um, yeah. Well, I didn't want to get too far into this without um, I'm not saying I want to plug your other work, but I'm really interested in talking about your documentary work. Um, oh, great! I, I'm, you, I, mean, I think you've you've done with you completed your your last edit, and you've done a preview, done a showing of your um, your document documentary on the Icelandic horses. Um, am mm -hmm. I caught up on yeah. that? Well, yeah, we. I have a, a a side project which actually is the thing that feeds my soul. And that is my Art as Air project. Uh, and for that Art as Air project, I do documentaries. Some are the little documentaries, short documentaries. And one was one that we kind of grabbed by the horns and made into a feature. And that was about the uh, horses of Iceland and the people, the connection, and how it's intertwined in the culture, the Icelandic culture. Uh, it's called Tales of Iceland. And um, we had, it was like really the best creative experience I've ever had in my life. Uh, going to Iceland twice to film, once in spring, once in summer. So you get their fuzzy winter coats and then you get them all sleek. Oh my gosh. The and they're freaking adorable too. Yeah. They are freaking adorable. They're, they're really, and they're like puppies. They're, they're actually left to run free for the first four years of their lives before anybody touches them with a saddle. Oh. So, you know, they, they don't follow you around. They'll nibble on you. They'll nudge you like, you know, hey, I'm over here. It's, it, they're very, very personable horses. And they're very much a part of the culture of the people because it is a very fierce and unforgiving kind of a, uh, a country as far as landscape goes. And in the winter, it's very dark for very, a very long time. And they become part of the family. So... It's, it's quite an amazing kind of a, uh, a relationship that the people have with the Icelandic horses. And we've been lucky enough to be noticed by a few uh, press outlets, which is really nice. It's called, by the way, Tales of Iceland, T-A-I-L-S, like a horse tale yeah. uh, of Iceland. And uh, it actually, we just found out, it is now up on Amazon Prime in the U.S. and the U.K. So everybody can watch it. That's awesome. How'd you do that yeah. part? How'd you get that up there? Uh, oh, I figured it out. <laughs> I figured, I, I got in there and I figured it out. Well, that's one of the reasons why my girls didn't see the, the most recent version is at the time I would have had to get my laptop set up and in front of them and, you know, just circumstances transpired to not do that. But now that it's up on Prime, that's killer. Yeah, you can put it on the big TV. Um, how did you, 
I mean, this doesn't have anything to do with anything, but I still want to have an answer to the question of how did you get those overhead shots? Were you in a helicopter for that or what? Actually, uh, we, that was a drone. That was a we drone? We actually were given, yeah, we were given, we were given some drone footage by Horses of Iceland, which is part of the Icelandic Tourism Board. Uh, they, you know, I reached out to them and I asked them if, you know, they might be able to donate some drone footage, which they graciously did. And then the, for the rest of the drone footage, which was killer, uh, Martin Chittle, um, who is a co-producer co on the uh, project, he learned on the job how to fly a drone. So uh, it was, again, it was incredible. And the footage is amazing but, from the drones. But the quality of the camera, uh, the, the, like the, the quality of film footage that you're getting, does that mean the drone is really large? Is, is it a special camera mounted no. there? It's the size of a water bottle. Whoa. Yeah, it's very small. It's 4K. And so it's everything was shot in 4K. All of the cameras that we were using were 4K because we wanted to kind of future-proof it a little. Although people are now talking about 6 and 8K. What does 4K but, you know, mean? At least it's just talk right now. Uh, it's, it's a resolution. Okay. It's a very high-definition resolution. It's better than 1080, which is a standard t uh, broadcast yeah. resolution. Okay. So it's, it's better than that. That explains a lot. That helps me understand why it was so beautiful. I mean, just the footage yeah, is crispy. just... It, and that shot with you sitting in the middle of uh, a field trying to get a shot of them, they weren't stampeding, but they were definitely running as a herd and they ran right around you. You're sitting right in the field. Is that in the film? No, okay. no. That was actually, we, we, we took that last summer after after everything was done. So, but that was, that was quite a special moment. You got to get Sitting that there, up it somewhere. It was like thunder. <laughs> well, yeah, right. I'm, it was the, the hooves really were literally like thunder, just, you know, thundering around me. It was amazing, amazing experience. There's something thunderous about a person who can sit right in the middle of that and just get the footage and get up and oh, walk honey, away. I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was definitely scared out of my mind, but you know, you sit there and you look through the lens and you're like, it's almost like it separates you. The lens separates you from reality, right? A little bit. So uh -huh. it's like, yeah, you sit there and go, okay, don't even look, do not look around the lens, just concentrate, you know, and stay still because if you stay still, they'll just go around you. Well, you we hope you're you're describing a lot of the attributes of. Uh, courageous action where you you have to exert some control of your mind like just keep your mind steady so that you're focused on the thing that you're doing and not let it run away with you with all the different bad things that could happen um, <clears throat> and you I tell my my two little girls they there's no way to know if you're being brave unless you're also scared at the same time I mean, it's just that's just oh, part definitely. of those two things go Terrified. together Yes, terrified. So, I mean, I but, love it. I want you to put you that shot up. I'm begging you to put it up on YouTube or something <laughs> because you have the heart of a lion, and I just love that that sort oh, of juxtaposition. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. That was really that's really nice of you to that say. Was that was That really makes all the terror worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, those those horses are adorable. Don't they turn those Icelandic horses out like seasonally? I thought they would just let them go for a few months, or is that only when they're young? Well, actually, that. Well, no, they, they do they do let them go uh, into the highlands. That was actually um, uh, like a, a, a farm that was close to the highlands. But they do let them run in the highlands, you know, but they, but they are owned by people. It's not like they're like yeah. wild horses that you capture and, and all that kind of thing. They're, they're all owned by people. Yeah. 
um, it's, and they do a, a big roundup um, for the horses that they let out into the far fields yep. that, are that are close up into the highlands. And they, they will take three days in September and they will all ride out on horses and they will round up the herds and they'll bring them back to a central pen location where they, where they then sort out everybody's horses. Oh, wow. It's like a, it's like a three-day festival event. <laughs> it's amazing. I think my girls want to move out there. They're t totally obsessed with horses. They do lessons a couple oh times a God. week. I was born in Iceland, they, by the way. They could do worse. I know they you could were. Do worse. I know you were. I want you to go back. I, I want know. you to go back, and I want you to take them and show them, you know, your your home country. Well, we need to line it up with you because you could, I mean, you have the in there. You, you know families. Yeah. You know oh, horses and stuff. I told you. <clears throat> we're going next summer. You mm. guys can, can boogie along. That could be a good idea. I'll talk some more about that. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad we talked about that because that's that's one of my favorite parts of having a friendship with with you is the the other, you know, the other sides of you that um, that I get to experience and and it's tangible. Like I can actually go and watch your work, um, which is pretty killer. I really appreciate that. Well, we I plugged it. Uh, what's the next thing? Do you have another project coming up? Another some more documentary work you're working on? I'm working on a new idea, and it's surrounding climate change, which, of course, everybody's on the climate change, uh, quote, bandwagon, as it were. But it, it is the most important thing that, uh, that the world is facing right now. And I'm looking for my hook right now. So I'm, it, it, it might lie with the children um, yeah. because I, went, I attended a couple of climate change protests and interviewed some of the children that were there, and they were just so eloquent that I'm thinking that maybe this will be centered around that and then go off into a couple of other areas of, you know, how can we help kind of a thing. But we're going to be going to Greenland next summer to um, go to Ground Zero and hopefully talk to the people there and see how they're coping and how it's affecting them, how this climate change uh, cycle is affecting them. So... Um, stay, you know, stay tuned. We're, we're, we're working on the concept. I'm trying to really, like I said, find my hook. Well, Greenland and, uh, as well as some of the, some of the lower lying Pacific islands, um, those are the two, uh, canaries in the coal mine with regard to climate change. Mm -hmm. Like those are the first mm -hmm. populations that are going to get devastated and, um, mm -hmm. That's right. getting, I, I think you're right to go with the kids. Um, yeah. We're, well, they're the ones who are going to bear the responsibility for our actions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I can't do anything to support you on that other than to pat you on the back and say, let's do this. Um, <laughs> that works for me. But getting the word out is also a good idea. Well, we should yes. probably get on to the topic of uh, web development and being a client of web development and being a web developer and all that sort of stuff. Um, yes. Something I wanted to throw out there um, that, you know, might get the conversation started a little bit. This will be, this will be a little weird and kind of a, uh, a roundabout way to get to it. But last night I went to um, a Soto Zen Buddhist temple um, for, a, mm. for a Dharma talk. You familiar with Buddhism and the, the way they do their bit, practice yes. and stuff? So, yes. Mm -hmm. So these, you know, Zen Buddhists are about zazen, so they're about seated meditation. That's most of the practice in that form, that sect of Buddhism. But 
pretty much every sect of Buddhism also does, um, they have these Dharma talks. And so the more advanced students or sometimes, uh, sometimes masters will come and they'll, uh, they'll, sit in the, um, they'll sit in the meditation hall and they'll give a talk about a Buddhist topic. And I have an abiding interest in Buddhism for many years and I'm not any particular religion or anything, but that's the closest thing that I find myself um, gravitating towards. And, you know, um, another concept in Buddhism is this idea of a Sangha, so a community of uh, practitioners, uh, you know, newbies and people farther along who are, they get into conversations with one another and they kind of try to help one another um, embody Buddhist principles and precepts as a community. So they try to do that sort of communal um, religious experience, which I think is a powerful thing too. So I said, all right, let me go look around and see if there's a Sangha that really resonates with me, that, that works. So the closest one in my town was this Zen Buddhist group, and I have a, an affinity for that uh, for a variety of reasons. I go in there, and all of a sudden I know I'm out of place because it's, it's a Japanese tradition, and it's heavily informed by Japanese culture. What that means is it's, there's some rigidity. There's, there's a lot of etiquette. There's a set of manners, a set of things you need to do, and there's like constant reverence for, for everything. And that's a fundamental part of Buddhism, and I'm good with that. But um, I had this feeling that there were so many things that were precious. And that's the word that I thought I'd talk to you about. Now, the, the idea of precious, when you and I have conversations and we're dealing with the problem with, uh, with your website or some planning or some decisions that were made previously, we don't really have any precious conversations. Like you and I just talk about whatever and we laugh and we poke fun at each other and you call me out when I do something stupid. There's, there's no delicate, precious thing that we avoid or tiptoe around. Um, and that experience last night and leading into this podcast with you made me think about when you and I talk, you're one of those people in my life that I don't have to be careful or, um, or, or a tiptoe around. Like you, you're not a little right. delicate piece of glass. I can, you know, I can mm -hmm. shoot the shit with you and not, not have to worry about it. Um, Absolutely. what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about in your work life? How do you, this, this idea that these little things are precious, you can't get near them, you can't talk about them. Um, you have to tiptoe around. You're just the opposite of that in a lot of ways. What do you think about that idea? Well, uh, that's multifaceted. And, and I think what you're, what, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're kind of pointing to the fact that, um, that there is a certain standard um, way of thought in some cases with certain people where they kind of look for you to, like you said, step on them or, or um, make some kind of wrong move that they can call you out on kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, they, they look for that. It's not, e it's not even like, like it's just, well, if it happens, it happens. It's like, well, this is my thing. You know, don't tread on me kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like the old uh, Confederate flag kind, uh, kind of slogan. Yeah, there's um, there's a, there's a power dynamic there. Um, I I think yeah. that's at work. Yeah, and and that to me is very limiting for everyone involved, especially the person who is putting forth that precious precious energy, um, because uh, they are going to be quite limited in what they get, you know, from from life, from the world, from people, uh, because of this kind of defensive position almost 
that they're taking right away without any, with, before there's even a reason. Yeah. I mean, is that sort of what you're Yeah, <clears throat> that's what to? I'm talking about. I think it affects people's work lives, uh, especially in the work it that does. I do. One obvious example that has come up for you and I a number of times are those times when you're talking to your your web developer and you're saying to that web developer, I, I don't know how this works. I, I don't know how you guys get this thing to, you know, how do you get the e-commerce system to talk to that other system so that the data gets over mm -hmm. there? And there are some people in my industry who make all that precious, like, oh, April, you, you couldn't understand this. Um, Go, go uh, on, yes. run along, mm. you know, we'll take care of it. We'll let yeah. you know three months well, from now when it's whole, done. That whole, yeah, that's that, yeah, that's, that's that whole patronizing kind of, um, it used to be just men toward women. And now it's like, it seems to be society in general is very patronizing towards others in society. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's really sad. I mean, because I've seen all kinds of incarnations of decades of society, uh, more than I care to, you know. Um, allude to, which I just did, but um, <laughs> it's but I, I but I've seen I've seen what's been morphing lately, and it's it's kind of it's frustrating. It's very frustrating because I feel like people are really, like I said before, limiting themselves, yeah. limiting what they're going to get. Yeah, they're they're constraining the kinds of interactions and relationships they can have from from what I've seen. Um, and yes. you end up with kind of a flat life and you live in a pretty small room that way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Glad it ain't my room. <laughs> uh, what do you, you know, what do you do? Is it as simple as the, the remedy for that is just choosing your, choosing the people that you associate with carefully, um, letting people who do that. But how can you do that? How can you do that in the business world? I mean, you, you have a client who comes to you who wants something, but they have that kind of uh, preciosity, as, uh -huh. as it were. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you like, you can't walk away. I mean, otherwise you'd have no business. Well, they... would be like, you, you have to really make a way to kind of work with them, probably on their level, because they're not going to work with you on your level. You, I mean, as you, far as, you know. There's plenty of web developers and there's plenty of clients out there. Um, right. So the competition is fierce. So you have to figure out a way to get around that and and delve into their actual issue as opposed to what they're projecting. Uh, yes and no. I mean, in some cases, um, I've I've had experiences of working for the Aprils of the world, and it makes me not want to work for the the people who are um, uptight and priggish about stuff. I mean, um, it. If you develop a set of skills and you do it well and you get the word out that you do a certain thing well and the reputation spreads, then you can be selective, and that's one way. But you're right. You can't always avoid that situation and avoid those people. Um, you know, this this power play that people do where you're not allowed to touch this thing or you're not allowed to talk about this piece. Um, yeah. Or you're not, yeah, you're not allowed to say certain things because, it's, you know, it would cause some kind of kerfuffle. There's, you know, there's, there's another attribute of this and, you know, pointing back to the Buddhist thing that part of the reason that that sense of um, we wear these certain robes and we sit this certain way and we come into the room in a certain order and we bow at this time and we do this chant and 
you don't necessarily have to understand why everything is the way it is. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you could comprehend. So mm-hmm. there's a benevolent side to this too, where, um, and this is this happens in our work with you, you and I together. Um, I have to try to find that balance with you where I want to explain everything to you so that you don't feel like I'm locking you out of the technical information that you need to make a decision. But I also want, mm-hmm. want to do my job and not make you have to understand all that stuff. Um, so finding that well, I think balance what's really is really good. Right. Well, I think I think your balance really has been one of the best things about my experience with you working with you. And that is because I know that if I have a technical question and I have and I and I know something about it, you're going to give me exactly the kind of technical answer that I need to make me understand. And if I don't know anything about it, you might even take the time to explain what it is on terms with in terms that I understand, and that to me is is um, it's the best actual experience you could ever have with someone who is a web developer or really anyone in business, and that is you know a kind of a uh, a synergy of knowing the limitations or not or the or, or the non limitations of the other person and just kind of speaking to it. On all levels. It makes me think of some doctors I've known who are really good at this and some that are really bad. Um, mm. You go to talk to a doctor about a certain kind of an issue and there are some doctors who will just maybe cancel the next appointment and sit and explain to you, get, get you to a point where you understand what it is, what, why they want to run the test they want to run or why they... God, I would love to have that kind of doctor. <laughs> <laughs> They're rare. Where are they? They're rare. They're usually pediatricians, and not, there's not very many of those even. Uh, mm. These, some of these pediatricians that I interact with, fortunately, not that much anymore. My kids are pretty healthy these days, but they, um, because of the worried moms and the worried dads, it's sort of compulsory for them where they have to slow down and explain and hear. Um, I'll go in with some kind of ache and pain, and the doctor will say, "Eh." Go to get this test done. I'll talk to you in two weeks, and I'll be like, "Eh, okay." If it's my kid, it's a different different animal. So they're they well. That is true, and 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 a, and a pediatrician should do that. Should sit down and 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 explain things in great detail. Um, that's that I think is is the field where it should be a requisite. I'm, I'm noticing this carries over into my work, though. I, I, I tell new clients who I'm on the phone with or prospective clients, I tell them, think of us as your, your primary care physician. So we're, mm-hmm. we're going to be your contact daily, and our job is to maintain the health of that website. Sometimes we'll recommend that, you, that we call in an expert for you or that you go and find an expert in a certain field, but we feel like mm-hmm. it's, it's most appropriate for it to land on us to explain stuff and just take the time it takes to make sure that technically you understand. You're about to make some expensive decisions that you're going to have to live with for a few years. You and I both know this um, with your current website for sure. Um, you're going to have to sit right. with those decisions for a long time. You're not going to have a whole right. bunch of money to spend two or three years after that decision to undo it and make a new one. Um, so Especially being nonprofit, we don't have a budget at all for this. So whenever there is something that has to be done and and Quite frankly, as we as we all know, there are things that have to be maintained on the site in order for it to work. You know, in order for it to not break, things that have to be updated. Yeah. So we try to make those 
those ongoing decisions really well. Something interesting that happened right. to you and I a couple of months ago when we went through that cycle where you're sending out your your reminder emails to um, to get that that body of um, songwriters and people in the industry to vote uh, for mm -hmm. for new memberships and inductees and so forth. Um, we encountered that situation where I built this big complicated thing for you that was supposed to do all the work for you, and it ended up being too cumbersome, and you ended up not using it. And so we went with a different, more simple solution that we should have done in the first place. So I, I don't know how how that fell apart the way it did, but I I wish that I wish that I had listened better the first time around uh, and sort of heard you say, "What well, can you know, can I just?" Every time you said, can I just, I should have shut up and listened. Can I just put this into MailChimp or Campaign Monitor or something like that? Why, why do I have to do all this stuff? Right. But, but again, it's like anything else. It's a learning curve. It's, it's also you're, you were getting to know my system and what I need from my system. And, you know, it's, it, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I know damn well it ain't going to happen again. <laughs> well, wait, there's an entire year between now and when we have to go through that again. Exactly. Thank God. So we'll see. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So why don't we why don't we take a break here? I, I like to do these podcasts in two parts. They'll be separated by a couple of weeks. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to ask you some questions about, you know, without putting you on the spot to name names or anything, talk to me about how things have gone sideways with web developers who've worked for you in the past. Um, what, oh, I can I can wax rhapsodic about that. Yes, and what I could, can go on and on, and 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 they will remain nameless. They can I be understand. nameless, but we can still learn a lot. Like the, we can talk about what they could have done better, how they could have avoided the problem in the first place. I want this to be valuable. Oh, I can for, tell you exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that, we'll get into that then. You've been listening to the Soul Space podcast. <laughs>